The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Thank you very much, and indeed it does. Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. And here's what's on tap. Melt up Monday, stocks roaring higher to as transports, retail, banks, and even beaten down Staples rally. Is this the start of a lasting rebound or maybe just another head fake? Plus, an earnings edition of Trade It or Fade It will break down AT&T, Procter & Gamble, Tesla, Netflix ahead of their results later this week. And later, why Lulu is rebounding from its downward dog days of late. Bitcoin's big bounce. What's driving the crypto climb? And a serious snapback for Snap. Mm. Will the surge last? There have been grunts and the hmms well, here on the table. I haven't even gotten to you guys yet. Writing. Is it a surge or just poop? Mm. Just disappear like that. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I'm Tyler Matheson. In from Melissa Lee. Coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ. On the desk tonight, the hmm of Tim mm. Seymour, mm. Bonwin Eisen, and Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami, who went harumph <laughs> at some point there a moment ago. We start with the market jump today, the Dow up 314 points, blue chip index now up six of the last seven days. NASDAQ and S&P 500 bouncing more than 1%. Wall Street embracing earnings season optimism and shrugging off those rising Treasury yields, which were higher today. Among today's biggest winners, retail, the S&P retail ETF rallying almost 3%. Solid rebound since it's been down nearly 8% over the past three months. A lot of those names are really limping. Another encouraging move higher in transports. The group rising 2% today. Transports struggling since hitting 52-week highs over the summer. And these gains today came even as yields ticked higher. So could this be the start of a season-ending melt-up for the markets? What do we say here? Tim, take it mm. away. Mm. Head mm. faker. Mm. 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 Yeah. Look, it was an interesting day. If you look at the 10-year, uh, essentially yields back up again. We're, you know, 15 bips off those scary heights. But if you think about what today was, it was, it was strange. You had a day when equities probably should have responded to higher rates. You had a day when or a day after big moves in oil and things that have been roiling the markets. But if you look at the S&P, I, I continue to think uh, the market dynamics are very interesting coming off that reversal that we made on that payroll low about seven sessions ago. Uh, and again, it was a day when it looked like yields were going to go higher and that was going to sell off equities and equities have responded. I, I still think there are reasons why equities should be having problems with higher yields. But I think the dynamics around a more benign Fed, uh, again, we've had a lot of Fed speak. The reality is we know higher for longer 
Uh, we also are hearing from banks, and we're not hearing about a deterioration in credit yet. Um, it's enough for equities in a seasonal dynamic that I think works. But again, we're almost 4% off those lows. Dan, if a year ago someone had said to you the 10-year is going to be at 47 and stocks are going to be where they are, would you believe them? No, not really. And, and the other point I'd just add to that is, you know, you have crude oil at 87 bucks. You have the right. U.S. dollar index at 106. You have, again, um, you know, a lot of inflationary inputs that are kind of, and guys been hinting at this for months and months, that are just really staying pat. So the idea that the Fed is going to get inflation down to 2% anytime soon or whatever that target is, however you measure it, it doesn't seem likely to me. So again, that's why I think stocks here, you know, in and around this 4350 range are, are kind of curious to me, especially when you consider the fact that two years ago, they were basically trading at the exact same spot when interest rates were far lower. Last point I'll just make is over the weekend, every time I open the Wall Street Journal, uh, at least.com, I saw this article just kind of pointing at me. It said a recession is lo- no longer the consensus. With a quarterly um, survey, they do a- economists. It's fallen below you know, 50%. So I just think the lower that that probability of a recession gets is the higher likelihood that we're probably... That probably will have, be a recession. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that stocks are kind of topping out. But Tim has been on this trade for the last couple of weeks thinking that just seasonally, like, you know, the kind of natural progression might be higher. A two-handle move lower in the VIX to me suggests that the market was waiting for something cataclysmic to happen over the weekend. Now, I want to be clear, what's happening is cataclysmic. But in terms of what we look at, the market... Nothing happened to sort of suggest the market should cascade lower. So I think that was part of it. Again, I want to be careful with my words because we all understand what's happening is awful. So that move to me, it speaks to what I think what people were positioned for. I think it's a positioning thing. But with that said, you can't underestimate the strength and the resilience of this market. We're 4,400 in the S&P. And to answer your question, absolutely not. I didn't think the S&P would be. I would have thought it would be pushing down towards at least 3,800, if not lower. Yet here we are within whisper, well, within 10% or so of an all-time high. Yeah, you're with 10% of an all-time high and, and very close to 5% on the 10-year bond. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've all kind of been speaking to the dynamics between yields and equities, and like that doesn't really seem to hold up. I think really what happened was we saw at least the preliminary bank earnings come out. Those came out positive, and we tend to kind of extrapolate what's going on with the banks and, 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 and extrapolate that to the economy. So that's why you saw more or less the economically more sensitive pockets of the market rally like you did today. I would, I would argue that we should probably rethink that line of reasoning. I think now with the, the, the banks are with the banks essentially essentially being, a, you know, a barometer call of, the of two, economic the strength. I just the think there's a lot of a lot of things that have changed. We've spoken about some of the geopolitical risks, but I think the situation that we have here is that we are starting to see higher credit card balances, likely deteriorating credit. So this Goldilocks situation, not to mention when's the last time that we've had rates of this situation? Like it's like you can't remember it. We've had not, free not money. We've had for free money for the better part of 15 years. So with QT, and you're also seeing what's happening on the back end of the Treasury in terms of the issuance that we continue to have. You know, I just think it's a matter of time before you start to see this trickle down effect. And the fact that we've accepted higher for longer, I would argue that that's more of a recent phenomenon, which is why you've seen rates move. We've fought the Fed all the way here. And we're finally starting to sing and dance together. And I think it's just a matter of time before that song and dance changes the tune of what the market is doing. Tyler, I know you asked the questions. And you said something really interesting, Bono. And I, I want to like pose you, a question to you, Tim. Right. So, so the reversal that you've seen in J.P. Morgan from its highs on Friday morning in Bank America and at City, how does that make you feel in the context that Bono just laid that out? Because I know that you're kind of, you know, you're bullish of the bank stocks. Does that make sense to you? And do you worry about how those stocks, 
you could say, well, look at Wells Fargo. It's traded pretty well. You know, I'm just curious how you're putting that in the context of this early earnings season. I think banks are behaving a lot like um, some of the beaten up retail. I mean, retail's underperformed the S&P by 7% since August. Um, banks have had a horrible run into these third quarter numbers. Look at Staples. They've had a horrible run, a lot of discretionary. So I, I guess I'm not doing cartwheels over banks. Uh, I, I do think that J.P. Morgan has proven um, their profitability in this environment is, is, is unparalleled, um, that their premium probably deserved. But when you talk about Citibank uh, trading at 0.5 times price to, to tangible book, I think there's some opportunity. There, But I, I guess um, I am concerned about some of the things you're talking about. I'm waiting to hear the banks tell me that things are starting to trickle. Maybe it's too late at that point to the downside on credit. But a lot of the market outside of uh, Google and Facebook and all those other ones that we know their names, Guy, I won't mention mm. them. Um, We've seen a lot of pain in the market. This is a market that if you remove those seven stocks, a lot of these stocks are 52-week lows or near it. So I'm not terribly shocked that we're getting a bounce here because also I think we've had a chance to look at somewhat so into the So what best. got into retail today? What I just think to it. Well, I, I think you have a case here where you're starting to get some preview into whether this is holiday season or not. But, it, you know, I look at names like Dick's Sporting Good or Children's Place or I'm just looking at my screens here. Um, and, and a lot of the, you know, Abercrombie and some of these either apparel retailers. We're talking about stocks that are down 30, 40, 50 percent. Uh, seeing a bounce today. And yet you say you know, credit is getting you know, more distressed, right? I, well, it, I think like the undertone of credit is getting more distressed. Credit hasn't widened yeah. out, which is which is the part that's a bit scary, particularly when you when you have banks that are going to continue to ratchet up ratchet up provisions for write-offs. So, you know, until you start to see the actual portfolio of holdings at banks really starting to get written down, that's what's going to be there. We did this thing before where the bank started to um, take additional provisioning and then release that provisioning. You're going to have to see some follow-through there. I think that's going to be the canary in the coal mine that essentially says, listen, like behind the scenes, there is this swoon coming. You're not going to have a trillion plus dollars of credit card debt. You're not going to see delinquencies crime and have it not translate into credit. And we just have haven't seen that last turn of events yet. What is the big earnings report that you guys are going to watch for the rest of this week? What are the two or three? Big one this week? Yeah. That, that's a great question. I mean, maybe Dan can answer that because I don't have anything I, on I'm actually radar. really interested. Tesla, in, I'm interested in American Express Tesla, after, American, yeah, um, right. after what we heard from LVMH. And, and really, as we're talking about credit, we know that we've been hearing some lower end retailers talk about, um, you know, c- kind of some warning signs. We've seen that over the last month and a half or so. Um, the other one, we saw the, the department stores talk about increased charge offs, that sort of thing. So let's see what American Express has to say about maybe a higher end consumer, because I think that speaks to what Bonham was just mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to we're going to do a one of our famous um, traded or faded oh, yeah. segments on earnings coming up in the week. But I, I, I think the companies that are probably the most interesting are, are some of the ones that have the most interest rate sensitivities and, and those that have also been the greatest beneficiaries for years over lower rates. I'm going right at Staples. I'm going right at some of the, the telecom stocks, things that have been you know largely dogs. Um, they're going to give you some read on also the strength or the lack thereof of the consumer. I think I think from a, from a stock picker's perspective, I think there's probably a lot to do in here. All righty. Our next guest calls this the most complex market of his career. Julian Emanuel has been on Wall Street for more than three decades, so it's a long career. He's a senior <laughs> managing director at Evercore ISI. Julian, good to have you with us. Great to be here. Why is this uh, the most complex market of your career? Well, you actually set the table the last few minutes, and I just want to pose this question. If a year ago you knew we were going to be at 5-plus percent at this point on Fed funds, 
could you have with any confidence said the economy would be doing 3%? And even more importantly, could you have said that weekly jobless claims would be hugging 200,000 week after week after week, showing that there really is just this unbelievable resilience. So how do you explain that? I mean, how do you explain what you just described? So the way we explain it is to acknowledge that the kind of stimulus that we saw in 2020 and 2021, and the Fed was still buying bonds during a portion of 2022, is unlike anything that we know except for World War I and World War II. And it was so much that, in fact, all this tightening is still really only working off the residual effects of the stimulus. There's still a trillion dollars worth of excess savings out there that's keeping uh, the consumer going. Stimulus versus the tightening that is taking place Yeah, no, place and now. the bond market is everything. So I thought, again, maybe it's through my lens, but the move lower in yields on Friday, it seemed to me people were positioning for something over the weekend. Flight to quality in the form of bonds, selling the market off in anticipation of something. That unwound today, which says to me yields want to go higher. Yields should be higher. But they haven't impacted the broader market. What's the line of, you know, the point of diminishing marginal returns when things start to get dicey? So uh, I think we've seen it to a certain extent, okay? Because if you go back to the, the peak in July, it really got to a point where all the hype around AI, a, a lot of which we think is, is justified in the long term, but all the good news was priced in, the wall of worry was beaten, stocks and yields were rising the same, and then that stopped. Uh, now, uh, with the 10-year yield sort of, you know, trying to go to 5% and staying below there, it's okay. And in our mind, sets up uh, the precondition for what we think is a fourth quarter rally to 44.50. But I think if you get materially over 5%, it's sort of that roundophobia, the psychology changes. So you said that, that, that the, the reason we're probably at where we are in the market today is the, is the sort of pileup of all the stimulus that, that was. To, are we still getting stimulus in the economy today from the, from the IRA or from, from monies that are being appropriated to defense uh, to uh, replenish Ukrainian stocks and now maybe um, money that will go to, uh, into the uh, Israel-Hamas war? So there, there's certainly an argument to be made for that. And I think one of the challenges in, in this dysfunctional place that's known as Washington uh, is whether all of these bills uh, are presented, can be passed, you know, increasing the, the deficit further. Um, but by and large, you're really just at this point where the stock of the excess saving, the stock of that accumulated stimulus is still large enough so that it's only being worked off as opposed to tightening, as opposed to more stimulus. So, Julian, when you mentioned this, you know, deficits and, and, and again, so the question about further fiscal stimulus and the like here, you know, like some of the smartest minds out there, they're really concerned about these deficits, right, that, that just keep expanding. Pre-pandemic, you know, the Fed balance sheet was at, what, four and a half trillion. It got up to nine. It's worked off down to like eight or so. So when you think about this, OK, so fine, a consumer has excess savings of a trillion dollars. It's just been shifted from one place to the other. So consumers might hold up this time around, but is there a concern about these fiscal deficits? Because I keep hearing, the, you know, these, the, 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 the big dogs here keep mentioning this. You know, when Paul Tudor Jones, I think, was on the air the other morning, they keep mentioning this. And sooner or later, chicken's got to come home to roost. So, so we, in our collective investing lifetimes, have probably been focused on this issue as a question of when, not if, for probably 20 years. And frankly, if you had shorted bonds in response to that trade, you were a consistent money loser over the 
That's no longer the case. And I think when you look at the past 30 days in particular, with the gridlock and the dysfunction in Washington, that's part of the bond market saying that deficits matter now. All right, Julian, thank you very much for your perspective. A complicated time, to be sure. Appreciate it. All right, let's trade uh, what Julian just said. You go first. How did you take what he said and, and apply it in a portfolio? Well, let's see. You've got the push-pull between stimulus and then you've got essentially the quantitative tightening that's essentially trying to work off. And I think it's a matter of time, as I've said before. So I'd report that that QT is going to flow in. I actually think bonds, at least intermittently, you can probably short those and expect to make money on the long end of the curve. Um, I would also probably be looking at still trading the short intermediate portion of the Treasury curve. Um, And then I think in terms of the more economically sensitive pockets of the market, where we've continued to see things hold up, we've had that consumer excess savings, I would probably expect that to roll over. And so I'd probably be at least neutral to short those areas of the market. Julian says 44.50 on the S&P by year end. Does that sound reasonable to you? Right there. I mean, we're We're right there. We're 70 points points away. 70 points away. I mean, it could happen tomorrow, quite frankly. And we've seen that before. It's counterintuitive to everything sort of I was taught and raised on in terms of the market, but the market has a way of making, in, in putting on the most impact, the most pain for the most amount of people. And it feels like the upside is that, but you can't deny that everything going on in the bond market, everything going on with the credit markets, HYG now, not trading particularly well, at some point has an impact on the broader market. All right, let's take a quick break here. And uh, coming up, oh, snap, the social stock surging after a sneak peek at next year's user targets. The numbers in Guy Adami's snap hmm. score, whatever that means. Next, plus, uh, is a crypto comeback in the work? Is it already happening? Bitcoin hitting its highest level since August as crypto bulls eye a potential ETF approval. What ARK Invest's Kathy Wood had to say about it all. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money will be back in two. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, everybody, welcome back to Fast Money. Snap gone viral. Shares of the social media company surging almost 12% today after a leaked internal report that the company's target for its 2024 daily active users will be higher than Wall Street expected. CNBC's Julia Borston has the details. Leaks, leaks, leaks. Wow. Well, Tyler, Snap shares surged today, going up 12% after The Verge published the company's internal growth targets. The company confirming to us that these are what they call, quote, stretch internal goals only, and that the memo circulated internally last month. Now, these goals include aiming for 20% year-over-year advertising growth, 
14 million Snapchat Plus subscribers by the end of the year and $500 million in non-ad revenue. They're also targeting 475 million daily active users in the fourth quarter of 2024. Now, take a look at Snap's stock chart. It has been a roller coaster 12 months. Now the stock is down about 5% in the past 12 months. The company does report a week from tomorrow, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out there. But Tyler, it's worth noting that last year around this time, a similar memo leaked. CEO Evan Spiegel saying back then that the company aimed to grow to 450 million users by the end of this year. As of their last earnings, they were at less than 400 million. So it looks like they will likely come up short from last year's goals. All right, let's move on. We'll talk a little snap in just a minute. But, uh, Julia, the Taylor Swift Eras Mm. Tour movie premiered uh, this past weekend. Did you see it? And did the Swifties pull through? I did not see it. I want to see it. I'm going to have to wait until it's a little bit less crowded. They pulled through and that this was the biggest concert movie of all time, around $93 million opening weekend just in the U.S. alone. That makes it the seventh biggest opening weekend for a domestic film so far this year. So, yes, huge. But I feel like people got maybe a little bit overexcited and mm. the estimates on Friday were, were inching up. And I was hearing even $130 million opening weekend. So not quite as high as some were hoping hoping, but still a record setter for sure. But it was a good weekend for Taylor. She was all over the place. She was in New York. She was, didn't she do uh, a great weekend Saturday for Night sure. Live? She, right? had an, she had an appearance on SNL. This film's going to be in theaters for another three weekends. So, and also remember, they already pre-sold $100 million in ticket sales. That was as of a week before it opened. So a lot of that is for, uh, for the theaters in the coming weeks. Yeah, Travis Kelsey got the door for her. It was very nice. It was all very nice. Young love is a nice thing. Julia, thank you. Very much. Now, now, it says, Tyler, not, it says, not again. Let's it says, let's trade it, comma, Dan. I don't know what let's we're supposed trade to trade it. here. Are we going to trade Kelsey? I'm, trade a, I'm, I'm a Swifty. I, there's no hey, doubt no, about it. My daughter, Ellie, she's all over nice. it. She converted Alex, my other daughter. No, I'm all in on it. Um, let's talk Snap for let's a second. So, so I think it's important. Okay, so like these Orange are these are Evan Spiegel's stretch goals. Okay, and I think there was a lot of analysts who were out by saying that, you know, the stretch goals that he put out last year at this time, they didn't achieve too many of them. I do, do think, it, you know, again, it's aspirational to get near uh, of a half a billion daily active users. There aren't too many other platforms that have that right there. And so, you know, listen, this, this stock is hated by the street. Just look at the way yeah. it's traded. Okay, look at how many analysts uh, rate the stock a buy. I think less than 20% or so. There's short interest nearing 10% or so. So, again, if any closer to, like, kind of, you know, profitability and, and, and they hit more of these goals, it's a cheap, it's a $16 billion enterprise value, you know. So if you believe in some of the stuff that Elon's been saying about what he's going to be able to do with Twitter, Twitter, X advertising. That's really the key here. And, and, and Julia just mentioned, they're talking about a half a billion dollars of revenue next year. That's X advertising. Well, that's that would be a good ask. sign for this company. It, it will shock all of you that I'm yeah. not a Snap user. Stop I'm it. sure just looking at me, you, you know, would yeah. say, that guy's a Snap yeah, dude totally, right, right there. Snaps. Totally Snap. Oh, Snap. Yeah. What, 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 are, what is the non-advertising revenue that they have? I don't... Subscriptions. I mean, subscriptions so there's, there's, there's a whole... Well, I mean, two news. They have their spotlight. You know, they're trying to monetize spotlight. They're, they're, they have 
had this DR ad tech upgrade. I mean, look, the, the, the story here is that analysts have been downgrading this company into whatever this whisper was. By the way, these whispers sometimes are not an accident. Um, but, it, you know, the point is that the stock trades under three times price to sales. Um, and at its peak, I don't know, how, how high was it, Dan? It Over was, 10. Either. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're, you're out of play. But, but it's about profitability. They didn't make money. They lost a little bit of money um, this year. So, um, you know, where are we going to be on EBITDA in 24? I mean, those are numbers that, you know, the street, I think, is probably taking the pessimistic road. And obviously, the stock reflects that. Folks at Snap should be calling you any minute now because they... If, if you're they, on that platform, they need the influence. Yeah, and I don't know who Katie is, but <laughs> they bar the need door. the influence. Pinterest, as you know, because you visited, I have a page. I was an early Pinterest user. <laughs> but they report, I think, on October 30th. They had an analyst day, the end of September. It went very well. The stock was higher. A bunch of upgrades in the name. Piper Jaffray or Piper Sandler just did channel checks suggesting things would be pretty good. You know, you're talking about 30%-ish EPS growth for a company trading at 25 times. It's not outrageous. And you also have some activists sort of snooping around. So I like Pinterest in the earnings on the 30th. All right. All right, Snap, I'm here. Call me. All right. There's a lot more fast to come. Here's what's coming up next. Could crypto winter finally be thawing? The big move in Bitcoin and what Kathy Wood had to say about a potential ETF. The details ahead. Plus, yearning for earnings? We've got you covered. Banks, streamers, and more. How traders are playing the names on deck. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Many people think the fact that the Fed, uh, I mean the Fed, the SEC, um, chose to ask questions is a change in behavior. Uh, And therefore, I do think hopes are rising that a or a number of Bitcoin ETFs will be approved. All right. That was ARK Invest CEO and uh, CIO Kathy Wood earlier today on the SEC, potentially approving a Bitcoin ETF. The cryptocurrency surging almost 6% today after unconfirmed reports that the commission had approved BlackRock's application for a spot Bitcoin ETF. This is driving uh, Bitcoin, Bonwin. It is. And another leak. It seemed to be a leak that was taken down. But yes, I mean, I think it's a matter of time before you're not only able to trade futures and options on this thing, but you're also able to trade the spot. And I really think that's really why this why you saw the reaction that you saw today. I would also um, make, let it be known that gold has actually been rallying as well. And I and I just think the macroeconomic and geopolitical situation that we have going on. The, the, the desire for a flight to quality and for something to combat inflation is likely another reason why you're starting to see a bit of strength uh, in the in the cryptocurrency. Twenty eight thousand and something for Bitcoin is thirty thousand. The next stop, guys, or it ticked up easy it ticked up there today and traded down. Oh, did it? I mean, the, the first thing I'll say about Bitcoin and oh, how it's traded go. is it's remarkable the range it's traded in. I mean, if you think about the volatility we've had and some of the dynamics and even some of the headlines and the politics and even some of the uh, the fallout still coming from FTX and whatnot. 
But but you're right. I mean, every reason why the market wants to buy gold, they should be wanting to buy Bitcoin. And then the other dynamic that I, I think and I remember our friend Brian Kelly saying this um, back when we were talking about the early days of the Fed hiking cycle, when you want uh, when you expect the Fed or when the Fed is done with this cycle, you're going to start to see Bitcoin move. And, and I think that that because on some level, people have always felt that uh, this was the defense against the Fed. And in fact, once they're done, they're going to get easier and it's time to buy. In yes, the, sir. In the department of things that I don't have to worry about, Ferrari is now accepting Bitcoin to buy cars. This is something I don't have to worry about. Yeah, because you pay cash to. He's already got two. No, no, no. Tim is his assessment is right. I mean, it's not coincidental (laughs) that the all-time high in Bitcoin was, I think, November, December of 21, just when the Fed announced they were going to start to obviously change course, and then it basically was more than cut in half since then. The lack of volatility over the last year to me has been really interesting. It's been 27,000 seemingly for the last seven or eight months question you have to ask, did Bitcoin tra- trade well today on the back of this news or did it trade poorly? Because we spiked up close to 30,000, yeah. gave a lot of it back. I don't know the answer. but it's Would you buy a Bitcoin ETF? Um, well, I think the, the notion of why it's rallying today is that a lot of people would buy it if they could buy it in, let's say, their IRA or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to mess around with a wallet. They don't want to buy it with lots of fees associated with other things. So assumingly, it's an easy on-ramp to do it. And I think that's the excitement about it. Um, listen, you know, they've tried to kill this thing in, in every which way, and it's still a half a trillion dollar market cap. So that, to me, is pretty yeah. fascinating. So again, I'm with these guys. If you take out that 2021 double top that it got above 6,000. It just looks bottom left to upper right. I'm not telling you to go buy it here, but if you're inclined to buy gold for, you know, all the reasons that people like to buy gold, I'm not one of those people, then I would rather buy this. Than yeah. Gold. Yeah. Neither of them have a cash flow behind it, but what, you know, whatever yeah. people buy it goes up in price. And as you say, it's been going lower. Left Good luck with right. the Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> All right, coming up, coming up, Ernie, you got me. I'm done. I'm toast. Earning season ready to kick into high gear, and uh, we're going to hit the names the best way we know. Your favorite game, a game of traded or faded, on some of this week's biggest reports. That is next, plus a Pfizer follow-up, the pharma stock, rebounding after slashing guidance last week. More on that move uh, and how the rest of the vaccine stocks are getting jabbed. When fast returns. Welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. Stocks rallying to kick off a big week of earnings. The Dow jumping more than 300 points, led by Nike, the S&P, and NASDAQ, both climbing more than 1% or thereabouts. Shares of Vista Outdoors tumbling hard today, down nearly 24%. The company selling its sporting products business in an all-cash deal valued at nearly $2 billion. Vista saying the deal is the next step in its plan to split the company into separate entities, which was announced back in May. Instacart receiving a number of bullish initiations from Wall Street today, but still closing in the red. That stock now down more than 17 percent since its IPO. And Lululemon stretching more than 10 percent. That's good verb use. There, yeah, no, right nice there. job. More than 10 percent huh. to its highest level since 2021. As the retailer gets ready to join the S&P on Wednesday, Tim, your thoughts on Lulu? Well, I'm short the name, so uh, I didn't love this move. This is a this is a move that clearly is a technical move. It doesn't change the valuation. People were rallying. 
blame the stock a couple weeks ago on that Peloton news, which I don't think moves the needle. I, I just don't see the dynamics in Lulu's discretionary uh, warranting in the cycle we're in this kind of a multiple. That's really what it comes down to. Great company. Nice growth. Great company, just um, too expensive. But, but, you know, watching the charts, I mean, let's see what it does here. Because if it, a breakout past kind of this 415, 420 level tells you, you know, something to watch out for. All right. Lululemon. All right. I, I was going to go to the good one. I go to the malls. There are two stores that are always crowded. Apple and Lulu. Lulu. Apple and Lulu. What mall do you go to? You want to dox yourself? Short Hills. No, I really? go to uh, Garden State. What do you do in the food Riverside. court? What do you, what do you, what's your go-to in the Walk food court? Walk and roll? What do you you go know, with? I don't go to food courts. Sabaro? No, I don't go to food courts. <laughs> you know, I like this place, Cava. Have you ever been to a Cava? Yeah, Cava. Cava. That, that company went public. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. All right, moving Excellent. on, earnings. You're <laughs> <laughs> earning a lot. You're learning yeah. a lot today. You know, I don't snap. You know, I don't We're getting snap. to know a lot about Tyler today. Yeah, Look the Ferrari. All right, earnings season. <laughs> I pay cash for my Ferraris. <laughs> earnings season ramping back up this week with 11% of the S&P 500 reporting results. Big names, Netflix, Tesla, and more on deck before the weekend hits. So uh, we thought this would be a perfect time, a perfect time mm. to play America's favorite game. Trade it or fade it. That's right. Trade it or fade it. Earnings edition. Let's jump right in. Netflix out with earnings on Wednesday after the bell. Guy, trade it or fade it. You know, you would think I'd say trade it, given my love of Netflix, but it hasn't traded particularly well. It bounced today. The tape was good. But I got to tell you something. The last few months indicate that maybe there's some pain ahead. I love the company. Not in the short term. I will fade it, Tyler. Fade it. That's a fade. Let's move on to AT&T reporting on Thursday. Bonwin, trade it or fade it? I'm fading this one. And listen, I, I know that there's an argument to be made that for the catch-up trade and it's had underperformance, I know it's got a strong dividend yield. None of those things are compelling enough reasons for me to overlook the fact that they still struggle with free cash flow. In this environment, I don't want a situation where you're going to have to go to public markets and raise. If you're not generating cash in a meaningful way, I don't have room for you in my portfolio. Tim, telephones for you. Uh, well, I'll tell you Come what, on, AT&T, AT&T has been a rough trade. Uh, I think you traded here. I mean, we, we know what's what's happened. They've been they've had their lunch eaten by T-Mobile. If you look at postpaid, though, uh, the entire sector looks like it's in a pretty interesting spot. I think the predatory nature of the sector means that uh, there is uh, an opportunity for the core business to do OK here. And I think the core business is really their ability to pay this monstrous dividend. So um, I think it's a benign setup for the sector. And I think for that, AT&T has been moving higher. All right, Procter & Gamble set to report on Wednesday morning. Trade or fade, Dan? Yeah, I think you can trade this one. I mean, it came down 10% from its August highs here, taking a few turns off that multiple that we all thought was a little bit fat. So you take out the interest in maybe a name like this for that dividend yield that it has. And, you know, maybe this, this sell-off over the last couple of months has been um, enough. So to me, I think it's fine. I think probably some of the concern about these GLP-1s and some of these consumer staples is probably a little overdone near turn. So I'm trading this. Bonwin, uh, are you going to trade or fade? You're going to roll with the tide on uh, P&G? Right, nicely done. Color me curmudgeon. Uh, <laughs> so I'm fading this one as well. Uh, I just don't know if they have the ability to continue to raise prices. And for the, for the simple fact that the staples have been a richer pocket of the market with a very low beta and low growth. So I just really don't see a compelling reason. Dan's probably right. These have gotten crushed recently, and you may get a bit of a bounce, but I still just in terms of deploying capital, it's not a place I'm looking. All right, let's move on to the next and last but not least is Tesla. It reports on Wednesday afternoon. Trade or fade, Tim? 
I'm going to fade. Uh, uh, you know, my religion is typically to fade this one. But I, I and it's not because of price cuts. Uh, I think it's first of all, I think auto dynamics are not great. Um, I think it, the the entire sector is addressing some of the profitability issues, even though Tesla's at the top of the heap. Um, charts not bad. Don't like the valuation guy. I agree with everything Tim said, and I'm sure this much of the consternation of people that are long or the bulls of Tesla, but I'm going to say trade it because, to quote the great band The Who, I'm not going to be fooled again with this thing. I've seen it too many times that they report some benign number and the stock's up 8%, so trade it just on the back of that. Yeah, I'm fading this one, though. If you think about last quarter, and again, the stock was up a lot into that print there, but that was a disappointing quarter. The deliveries were uh, difficult. You know, the the numbers in China have not been good in September. They were down 11%, and margins expected to be probably 17 uh, and a half or so. So to me, I think this thing has risk probably down towards those recent lows, uh, 215 or so. Lots of information there. Thanks, guys. Coming up, uh, COVID crumble. Big pharma flopping today. So what's ailing the group? Those details in the trades next. Plus Schwab soars the brokerage popping as higher rates boost their business. We'll dive into that uh, financial, uh, the financials on that name ahead. Stick around because we got more fast in two. Welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. A pharma fizzle for COVID vaccine makers today. Moderna and BioNTech and Novavax all deeply in the red, with Moderna now trading at lows last seen in November of 2020. Pfizer, though, rebounding from a sell-off after the market closed on Friday when the company announced a cut to full-year guidance as demand for COVID vaccines falters. But an upgrade today from Jeffries and uh, early morning investor call there, sending shares higher by three and a half percent today. Our Angelica Peebles joins us now with the details. Fill us in, Angelica. Yeah, Tyler. Pfizer today providing investors with some more clues about the company's COVID business after cutting its 2023 sales forecast by $9 billion last week. The biggest chunk of that, cu- of that cut comes from Pfizer's updated contract with the U.S. government. Next year, Pfizer will start selling Paxlovid on the private market, which it should fetch a much higher price than it's been getting. And Pfizer executives today saying that negotiations with commercial health insurers are already underway. And Tyler, Pfizer also saying that it's assuming just 17 percent of Americans will get a COVID shot this fall. The company will provide an update on the actual total by the end of this year. But until then, Pfizer is already starting to cut costs. It's slashing $3.5 billion in expenses, a welcome move on the street today as investors wait to see how demand shakes out. Tyler? Where do most of those expense cuts come from? Is it labor? Where, where is it? Or do we know? They're saying it's across the board, and we're not exactly sure. You know, they're saying it'll be R&D. They're still working on their combination shots for flu and COVID. And they are saying that they're not touching the Seijin acquisition. That's that $40 billion, a $40 billion acquisition of that cancer company that they're working on. So we do know that those cuts will not come from that. All right, Angelica, thanks very much. Uh, Let's trade it, Tim. What do you think of Pfizer? Well, you heard it here. I mean, this is the point that, uh, and I don't mean me, because I've been saying I I actually am encouraged by some of those acquisitions like oncology and whatnot, but those aren't going to pay here. So the point is that the street's happy and upgraded today on the cost cuts. So three and a half billion uh, means you put a floor under EPS. Um, It's allowed the street to go raise their estimates. I think the street has been looking for some reason. Uh, it's It's not terribly exciting news, but you can't tell me before we got that update 
update on Paxlovid and commercialization and government contracts that people were very bold up on this. Uh, in fact, that's it's clearly yesterday's news and the stock continues to get punished by each new headline. This is one where the stock actually benefited from this headline. Guy? It's interesting. I was a bit exorcised on Friday night, if you recall. I he actually was. said, Tyler, before we go, yeah. I thought that Friday night dirty as they dropped that They dropped the laundry in there After the close on yep. Friday was uncool, but maybe it was the right thing to do. Maybe it gave the street or investors the weekend to sort of look at things and figure it out. So maybe I stand corrected. doesn't make me want to go run out and buy the stock because, quite frankly, it has not been particularly trading well. That 31 and a half level, 32 that we held today, I guess that's okay, but they're still challenged here. Anyone else on Pfizer? Going once. No, it's interesting, though. Expectations for earnings next year are going to be what they were pre-COVID. You know what right. I mean? So you, you actually have some baseline stuff to work with. And I think if, if this oral GLP-1, that sort of thing, becomes a thing, I think you were mentioning it, Tim, on your Pfizer. Like, this could be just kind of a kicker here. Now that you have expectations reset, they probably seem achievable here. It seemed like I was looking at it over the weekend. I was like, you know what? If it gets to 30, I think you just close your eyes and probably buy it. Um, but, you know, it didn't get there. So well, people are doing it, it, look, their core business is one that people have, have now got to go back and reassess, and I think they have. And I think they've looked at the future. There are some growth drivers. There's even some GLP, you know, pixie dust in there on the oral side, so we'll see. All righty. Coming up, Schwab rallying to kick off the week after reporting better than expected profits. We're going to dive into the numbers and listen to what got investors excited over the CEO's comments. More Fast Money coming right up. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Schwab topping the tape today, closing up more than 4.5%. The discount brokerage posting better than expected earnings before the bell, cutting full-year revenue outlook, however. The CEO, Walt Bettinger, told Squawk on the Street that higher rates helped the quarter. For us, higher rates actually work out quite well because uh, as clients begin to further reduce their movement of cash, we're able to reinvest at much, much higher rates. So higher for longer is good for Schwab. Been a bumpy year, Dan, for Schwab. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've been talking about this with the banks, right? The competition for for deposit rates and the like here. And so Schwab, you know, after the regional banking crisis was kind of put in a bit of a penalty box as, you know, deposits were expected to move as rates were going higher. But there was also, you know, fear of of what might be next after that. So there's a couple issues there. So, I mean, clearly the stock has acted very poorly since their Q2 results. To have this sort of commentary and this sort of bounce, I'd say I'm not chasing it here because it kind of did the same thing three months ago and gave it all back. So to me, uh, I'm glad that we don't have any problems. I don't think any of us want any problems. We're going to hear from some other banks that might have some similar sort of commentary. Let's see how they react. That's why I had the question for Tim. How do you feel as an owner of these stocks, how they've acted in the last two trading days? Because to me, it's not that impressive. No, it's not. And, you know, KRE was up 2.6%, really outperformed money center banks, but it doesn't make me want to go buy regional banks. Look, before SVB, um, we were looking at credit dynamics, commercial mortgage exposure, um, some of the dynamics just in terms of their cost of funding. And, and there's nothing here that says, I think you need to go buy these banks. And again, if I'm, if I'm doing a would you rather within the banking sector, I'm staying in money center banks where I think the balance sheets are fine. There's, there's a flight to quality to them, not away from them, even though, yes, it appears Schwab has uh, seemingly stemmed the tide of, of outflow um, for now. Let's stick with the banks for a moment. As Bank of America and Goldman Sachs report before the bell tomorrow, Morgan Stanley, a host of the regionals, are out on Wednesday. Uh, this is going to be a huge week for the financials. Bonwin, what is your trade on Goldman? You know, I'd still probably be a better buyer if I have to 
pick between buying and selling. I don't want to short in front of this name. But, you know, the deal flow, that really concerns me. But time and time again, Goldman have proved themselves expert at creating trading revenue, and I'm not willing to bet against that expertise. So I'd be a better buyer. Anybody got a quick thought there or on Bank of America? Goldman doesn't get rewarded for fixed income currency and commodities. They could crush it in the market. Typically, it doesn't reward them. And you've seen many times they report the stock trades lower. But you're at a level now where maybe some of the bad news is in. Bank of America has been an unmitigated disaster. Maybe you get a relief rally on people looking for a valuation play, and maybe they say things that you know, can sort of assuage the concerns out there. But Bank of America is at best challenged right here. I, I just think the bar right now is so low on Goldman. And, and uh, I think we've, we've put a lot of bad news and noise around the core story, which, which if you look over a one-year basis, we can pick a lot of little uh, spots on a chart and find numbers that will support any argument. But Goldman hasn't uh, underperformed the S&P on a one-year basis. So I, I think uh, there's been a lot of pressure in the CEO's office. And whether that's warranted or not, I think the, the expectations about their core business are extremely All righty. We're going to do some final trades when we come back. We'll be right back. Here's a treat for you. Look there at our own Tim Seymour and members of the charity organization, a leg to stand on, ringing the closing bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Tim, you've been working with this charity for a while, and there's a fundraiser coming up. Tell us about it. Yes, thank you. A leg to stand on essentially raises money and helps execute on corrective surgeries and and essentially prosthetic limbs for kids in, in emerging economies gets them to these procedures, changes kids' lives at a time when you really are making a difference in their lives. So uh, what's fun about it is Wall Street gets together and guys like me who are uh, musicians and probably don't deserve to play at a sold-out BB King's or Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square, there's an event every year. It's called Battle of the Bands. And look at that. There I am. That's some, that's a, some old. Wow. I was a young man there. Never quite seen you like um, that. But it, it's so it's great. And it's fun to, to, to be involved. But I'm a telling like you. like Bon Jovi, right? Yeah, little, little I'll, like, I'll let you say that. Like All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Well, <laughs> anyway, it's really a, uh, a tremendous charity. And, and Mead Wells and his crew have, uh, he's, you know, he's, He's a Wall Street guy. It's Wall Street coming together. People, you know, it's easy to vilify Wall Street. This is a case where this community comes together and has been changing kids' lives for 20 years plus. Um, we've been playing there for 16 years. I think this will be my 17th year. Thursday night, you can still buy tickets, alegtostandon.org. Uh, get there. It's a lot of fun. Awesome work. Thank, Thank you. you, Tim. Way to go. All right, let's go around the horn for some final trades, shall we? Tim, you get to go first. Yeah, so let's go to those bio, biotech stocks, IBB. But how about a BIIB, Biogen? We've talked about some of these names that are starting to break out, valuations that are undemanding, and, and frankly, balance sheets that are really encouraging in this environment. Final one. Yeah, I understand the restraint today, but I'm really not uh, bulled up on the XRT and consumer discretionary. I'd be fading that one. Fading that one. How about you, Dan? Yeah, Tesla, I'm not a buyer into this print. It sounded, I'm, I'm, you I'm, said I'm, it was your religion. I thought that was interesting to fade it. I'm not saying it was my religion yeah, to, yeah, to, to fade it. Well, yeah, what you said earlier, I'm not surprised. Well, I just, so. it, listen, the fundamentals have been deteriorating for this company and their auto business for four consecutive quarters. The man uh, who gets me decaf lattes. Remember the movie Eddie and the Cruisers? That's, yeah. Tim, that's, a, that's yeah. a Tim Seymour. Right that's, yeah. that's amazing what Tim that's and his man and all of them do. Gilead, trained pretty well there. Yeah, all right, folks. Good to be with you every time. Thanks for watching Fast Money. You've been fast. Now it's time to get mad.
All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.